Good evening, H12. How you guys doing tonight? Yes, well, uh, man, this has been an unbelievable series if you've been with us over the last four weeks. Has it not been powerful? Have you guys not enjoyed Activate this series? And as a part of this series, listen, if you have missed any of the weeks of the teaching, we put all of our teachings online. You can go to iTunes. You can get them from 12stone.com. Go to the high school ministry page. It'll take you to iTunes. And you can podcast any of our H12 messages, which if this summer you are out and you ended up being on vacation and you miss a week because we continue on with H12 all through the summer, feel free to go online, pick up the teaching for that week so that you can stay caught up with the series we got coming up because we got some awesome series coming up. And so as to close out this Activate series tonight, uh, one of our friends, Matt, uh, he's from California. He's going to come up and bring the teaching tonight. So you guys uh, turn your attention uh, to the Lord and uh, listen to what Matt has to say. Now listen, this is important. You guys are so respectful, and I appreciate the way you respect me when I come up here and I teach. And you know, we have a guest in the building. I want to ask you to give as much respect as you possibly can because it's a guest, and they're going to be bringing the Word of God, and the Word of God demands some reverence. It's what we talked about last week. It's what Mike Smith talked about last week, if you were here in the teaching last week. So I'm going to turn the service over, get your Bible, your pens uh, ready to take some notes, and uh, let's get after the last week of our Activate series. that some of you finished your high school classes today. Is that true? The, 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 the other rumor is that some of you are finishing school tomorrow. Is, is that? <laughs> Epic. I, I like how you're holding up the sign. That's awesome. Uh, just, just curious, how many graduating seniors do I, not the ones that are flunking right now, but how many of the graduating seniors do I have here tonight? Cool. All right. So most of you are done with your, your class already? Nice. I like your FBI hat. Uh, Current juniors, how many juniors do we have here tonight? Uh, sorry, seniors, juniors are slightly louder because of these, these people in the front row. Uh, sophomores, current sophomores, where are you at? Ooh. That was, that's good. Sorry, juniors, but mm, if I had a, like a, an audio barometer, maybe that would take the cake. Do I even bear, dare ask, are, are there any freshmen here tonight? Yeah, that was, that was okay. <laughs> here's, here's what I have experienced, and what, what I bet a lot of the adults in this room is, have experienced is that every year you get older, every year you get older, life gets better. <laughs> some of you, some of you have experienced, 
some of you have experienced bad things in the, in the past, and you've made poor decisions, and you're like, no, that's definitely not true for me. Uh, but, but I will say every year gets better and better. And you're about to venture into this time of, of summertime where you have a lot of time and a lot of freedom. And sometimes that means good things. Sometimes that means bad things. Uh, my student pastor, when I was a sophomore in high school, came up to me one day, right when I became a sophomore. And he's like, Matt, i got to tell you a story. I was like, what, what's the story? His name was Rob. We all called him Dirty Rob. In fact, we sang a song. We were like, Dirty Rob, do, 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 Dirty Rob, do. I don't know why, but we did. Anyway, so Dirty Rob comes up to me. Hey, Matt, I have a story for you. I was like, cool, Dirty Rob, tell me what the story is. And he's like, my story is when I was a sophomore. Now, I hope you're tracking with me because I, I, I know this isn't school, but I'm a sophomore, and my high school pastor is telling me when he was a sophomore. So we're talking like from present day. We're talking like 30 years ago, right? This is like, this is like pre-internet days, before the internet even was, existed and was invented by Al Gore. So, so we're, we're, we're 30 years <laughs> removed from today, right? So he starts telling me the story. He's like, Matt, um, in, in full disclosure, I need to tell you this story. I was like, Dirty Rob, tell me the story. Quit teasing me. And so he's like, all right. So when I was a sophomore, summer rolled around. And, and, and one afternoon, uh, my buddies and I, we all hopped on our huffy bikes. And we started riding down, down the street. And we're pedaling down the street. And we're bored. We want to we do something with our time. As we're going down the street, he's like, we're looking for rocks or sticks or frogs to throw. You know, something to do with our boredom. And, and as we're riding along, we, we come to this temple. And Dirty Rob tells me, he's like, we've seen this temple, but none of us really knew what the temple was. We didn't know if it was like a religion or a cult. We didn't know what it was. And so he said, we were bored. We decided to go check out the temple. <laughs> so they go up and they ditch their bikes. They go up to the temple front doors and they pull in the doors and they're locked. Which, I, you know, this is my first time to, to come and hang out with you guys here at 12 Stone. I'm walking around the building earlier today and I'm, I'm checking on doors and I'm pulling them and they're all locked. I'm like, dang it, I want to go explore. I want to go find sticks and rocks and frogs and whatever. Anyway, so... So they pull on the doors, they're locked, and they're like, well, you know, instead of leaving because there's nothing going on inside the temple, instead of leaving, they decide, let's go check other doors. And so they start going around the temple, and it's locked, it's locked. They go around to the back side where there's a, a, like an industrial kitchen on the back side of this temple, and they pull on the door, and the door opens up. Uh-oh, yeah, uh-oh. They all go inside. They're, they're feeling on the walls. They're trying to feel around. They, they find a light switch. They flip on the lights. The lights turn on, and they're inside this industrial kitchen inside the back of a temple. And, and they still don't know what the temple is. And so they start wandering around, and they go through a hall, and they find this, this stairwell, and they go down to a basement. And in the basement, there's this group of people that are circled up, and they're drinking cat's blood. Totally kidding. That was a lie. That's not really true. Some of you are like, who did you bring here from? What's, what's wrong with California people? No, but they're, they're wandering around this temple. Nobody's in the building. And as they're wandering around, they're trying to figure out what, what is going on. And, and, and these guys, dealt, or Dirty Rob tells me, he's like, I think it was a Muslim temple. We're not really sure what it was. But they're, they're walking around. They're, 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 they're just uh, being morons. And, and as they're walking around, uh, they play hide and seek. They're just doing stupid things. And, and after about an hour or two, Dirty Rob told me, he said, we, we make our way back out. And as we go back out, we go the way that we came, and we go through the kitchen. And as we're walking out, one of their group stays back in the kitchen and decides to pull like a home alone, and he starts turning on all the gas knobs. What? He starts turning all these gas knobs on, and, and he, then he leaves. And the gas, he didn't ignite them. Gas is just filling up in the kitchen. And, and Dirty Rob told me, he's like, I think he just wanted a place to smell. Because you know how, like, gas has that rotten egg kind of smell? He's like, I think that he just wanted to, to smell. I'm not really sure. But we all jumped on our bikes, and we started riding away. The door closes behind in the temple, and, and the gas begins to fill and fill and fill. And he said they got about a, a half a mile up the road, leaving on their bikes. And all of a sudden, 
and they turn around, and there's flames shooting out of the top of the temple. And, and one of the guys yells at Dirty Rob. He's like, ride faster! And the other direction, they're going the opposite way. They're leaving the scene of the crime, and Dirty Rob tells me this whole thing, and he's, he's my student pastor. And I'm like, bro, you, you're like a terrorist, and you're my student pastor. Now, now, mind you, you don't know this about me, but my dad was in the FBI at the time. He's in the real FBI. And so, so I go to my dad that night. I'm like, I'm like, that was not a diss on you. I didn't mean that as an insult. <laughs> Federal Bureau of Investigation, whatever. Anyway, so, so my dad's in the FBI. And so I go home to my dad. I was like, Dad, Dirty Rob, he's a terrorist. Like, he, he belongs in jail. He blew up a temple. Now, again, this is pre-internet days, and so we hop on the internet, and I'm, like, trying to look as a sophomore in high school, trying to find about Muslim temples that were blown up by hooligans, uh, you know, in Kansas or wherever it was, and there's nothing that's pulling up, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Was he lying? Like, either way, he's a lying student pastor, or he's a terrorist student pastor. Either way, I, I started having this little bit of a crisis. I'm like, I don't know if I want to be like this guy. And all of a sudden, I, I had to come to this own, my own conclusion. I, I started feeling like, I don't know if I want to even go to the student ministry. He, he, I know he told me this story, and he's being vulnerable. He's telling me about this Muslim temple that he blew up. And I know that's, that's gutsy to tell somebody about that, but I don't know if this is a guy that I want to follow. And I started trying to figure out, is this a place that I want to be? Is that a leader that I want to follow? And, and, and I made the decision. I said, you know what? Dirty Rob is obviously dirty. <laughs> he, he's, he's dirty for a reason, and maybe that's why. But, but he obviously doesn't have it all together. But I, I don't need to follow him. What I need to follow is, is Jesus. And it was like this aha moment that I, I almost left the entire student ministry. I almost left the entire church because of a person. And I don't know if you've ever met a student pastor who has blown up a, a Muslim temple before. I was talking to Derek earlier today. He's like, no, I've never blown up a temple. But he's telling me, he's like, I used to sell drugs. Does that count? I'm like, well, you know, it's not really a terrorism thing, but still sketchy. <laughs> and I don't, know, I don't know if you've ever encountered somebody that has some sort of crazy failure that made you step back and be like, wait, 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 that person's a Christian? If that person's a Christian, maybe I don't want, I don't want Christ. Maybe you've heard somebody say or maybe you have said statements like this before. A.V., no, not that. <laughs> Maybe you've heard somebody say something like this. I, I don't get along with the people in my small group, so I'm not coming back. See, it's not the small group that, that's the problem. It's not the God that's talked about in the small group. It's not the Bible. It's not Jesus. I don't get along with the people. Or maybe you've heard something like this. My student ministry is full of fake People. These people pretend to be one thing at church but act totally different the next day at school. You see, it's, it's people that are having a hard time with people. Maybe you've heard people say this, or maybe you've said this. Church is full of judgmental people. I feel like I'm always being talked about or looked at as if, as if I'm less than. Or maybe you've heard this. I expected Christian people to be nicer. You see, sometimes people have a problem with the church, and oftentimes it's not a problem with Jesus. It's with the people in the church. I'm sure you've heard of a guy named Gandhi before. Gandhi has a famous quote. He said this. He said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. How sad. 
How sad that some people don't want to come to age 12. How sad that some people don't want to come to 12 Stone. How, some, how, some, how sad that some people don't want to come to a church at all because of some of the people who have burned them or hurt them or pushed them away. And if you have ever been in that seat, if you have ever thought about never coming back here because of something that somebody said or something that somebody did to you, let me encourage you and remind you of three things. First thing I want to remind you of tonight is this. The church, this church, this group, age 12, is a hospital for the hurting. If you're taking notes tonight, you can write this down on your piece of paper. This church is a hospital for the hurting. Jesus himself said this in Luke 5.31. He said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the who? It's the sick. It's not the healthy that need to come here. It's the people who are broken. It's the people who need a solution. It's people who need grace, people who need forgiveness. This is a place that should be welcoming to that. This is a place that should be a hospital. Second thing I want to remind you of is this. Don't assume that everybody that comes here is saved. You see, when, when somebody makes the choice to come here because something's happening in their life and they feel broken or they feel like they, they need something else in their life, they need God in their life, just because they show up here doesn't automatically mean that, that they have accepted what Jesus has offered them. Just because they, they show up here doesn't mean that they're ready to get into this tank and profess their love for their Lord and Savior. In fact, Billy Graham, he said that, that it's an estimate over every church service that exists, roughly 50% of them, 50% of them are not followers of Jesus. Jesus himself said this in Matthew chapter 7. He said, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, on judgment day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will pl- tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. I don't know about you, but I don't want to hear those words. I want to hear words like, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. But some people show up here, roughly according to Billy Graham, roughly half of the group shows up and they haven't accepted what Jesus has, has offered to them which leaves another 50% of the group that maybe has accepted Jesus. But here's the, here's the bummer with that is that the Bible says you're all sinful people. Romans 3.23 says this. It says, for, for all have sinned. Not a few of you. For all, me, me too, me included. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And here's, here's the reason I share this. Here's the reason I share this is because if you're following anybody else in this room and trying to model your life based on anyone else in this room, that person will likely let you down. Here's my bottom line for my message tonight. What I hope you choose to do is I, I want to encourage you, follow the only leader worth following. That's Jesus. Follow him, not somebody else. Follow him, not them. Jesus decided to, uh, to enlist one of his closest friends. I know in this series we've been talking about a guy named Peter. I don't know if you know about Peter or not. I don't know if this is your first time at, at age 12 or not. But Peter's a guy, uh, one of Jesus' closest. He's had his 12 disciples, right, 13 if you count Matthias. But he has 12 disciples, and, and Peter's in the top three, top three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. And one day Jesus comes up to, to Peter he says, Peter, on you, Peter, I want to build my, my church. This is what Jesus says in, in Matthew 16. He says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, on you, the rock, Peter, I want to build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. 
And that word church right there in the original language in the Greek in which this was written, it's a word called ekklesia, which I believe is on the screen. Ekklesia, which means a group, a gathering. Jesus goes to Peter and says, hey, I want on you, Peter, I want to use you to build a group, to build a gathering, to build a movement of people who are choosing to listen to my, te my teachings and, and implement the things that I have been talking about and telling you about, Peter. Peter, I want to use you. I'm going I'm to launch this group, this movement, this buzz, this excitement all on you, my rock, Peter. So what does Peter do? He denies Jesus. Not once, not twice, three times. He fails over and over and over. Jesus is crucified, put on the cross, murdered in front of his family and friends. He comes back from the dead three days later, later and goes to Peter. And basically he says, I still choose you, Peter. I'm still going to use you. So even though he had failed, he could have dismissed himself, and that could have been his identity of being a failure. But instead he said, you know what, this time, this go around, I'm going to take the challenge seriously. Jesus goes and ascends back into heaven. Peter, meanwhile, goes out to the courtyards, the temple, court, temple courtyards, and he starts proclaiming Jesus he starts telling everybody about Jesus. He's building this buzz, this excitement, this group of people who are all stoked on Jesus and what his teachings were. And Peter's not picky. He's telling anybody and everybody, anyone who's willing to listen about this Jesus, this Messiah, this Savior. And everybody is getting excited. The buzz is building. The excitement's building. All of a sudden, until Peter talks to a guy named Cornelius. You see, people are like, wait, wait, wait. You, you talk to Cornelius? Here's the problem with Cornelius. Cornelius was a Gentile. Peter was a Jew. See, the Jews and the Gentiles didn't get along very well. They didn't like each other. It's like the Crips and the Bloods. It's like, it's like one high school versus another high school. Like, they don't get along. So much to the point where, where Jewish people wanted nothing to do, nothing to do with the Gentiles. The Gentiles wanted nothing to do with the Jewish people. I don't know if you've been paying attention or if you've ever paid attention in school or specifically history class, but... Several decades ago, in the 1960s, there's this whole civil rights movement. And in the civil rights movement, you have, you have two people groups that are conflicted. You have blacks versus whites. And, and you have people that don't like each other. And there's this segregation, and it divides our country. And people don't like one race or the other, so much to the point that the whites are so arrogant to put, put signs on the outside of the restaurant saying, no blacks allowed. Putting out signs on the bathrooms, no blacks allowed. And, and, and then a guy named Martin Luther King shows up and says, you know what, forget this. We need to get along. I have a dream that things can be different. I have a dream that our, that our worlds can be meshed together, that we can do things better than what we have done. And you still have this trickling into even today's culture and today's society. But Peter back then, he's got the Jewish and the Gentiles. It's so much to the point where they're putting signs on the outside of the temple saying, no Gentiles allowed. You're not allowed in here. God is for the chosen people, the holy people, the people that have it all together. And then meanwhile, Peter's like, you know what, forget that. I'm going to go talk to anybody and everybody that wants to be a part of this movement, this group, this ecclesia, this church that Jesus told me to start. So he goes and hangs out with Cornelius so much to the point where he goes and eats with Cornelius in his house. Word starts to trickle out. Peter went and he went and hung out with the unclean guy. He went and hung out with a Gentile. That's a huge no-no. Here's what happens. Book of Acts chapter 11 is where the story is found, starting in verse 3. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. That's because Peter brought it to Cornelius. 
They heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. So when Peter went to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, which is the Jewish people, criticized people and said, you went into the house of the uncircumcised man, Cornelius, and, and ate with them. How dare you, Peter? How could you possibly go into an unclean house? How could you betray your people? Why would you go and eat with somebody that's different than you? And, and all of a sudden, Peter comes to a crossroads in his life that I think many of you have been at before. Some of you, some of you are at this crossroads right now. The crossroad that Peter faces, he, he knows Jesus told him to build a group, a movement, a gathering. He knows that's what Jesus told him to do. Crossroads is this. Do I listen to Jesus or do I listen to people? Jesus said build a group, build a movement. Don't be biased about who that is. And the people are saying, don't talk to those kinds of people. And, and see, sometimes we're at this crossroads because you know what Jesus says. You know what the Bible says. You know what Scripture says. But then there's something else that people say to you. And you're like, who do I please? Do I please God or do I please people? And so many of us in this room, myself included, are people pleasers. And we want to, to make people like us. And we want to do things that, that cause people to like us. And so we, we want to do things. And sometimes that results in, in conflicting with our values and our morals and our standards. And we do things that we never thought we were going to do just to please people. Peter's at this crossroads. Do I, do I live for Jesus or do I live for them? You know what he decides to do? He decides to use this opportunity and this platform that he has to challenge people, to activate something in them that could literally change the world. Here's, here's what happens. Acts eleven seventeen. So this is what Peter says to the Jewish people. He says, so if God gave the Gentiles the same gift he gave us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in the way of God? Who am I to get in the way of what God wants. If Jesus tells me to build a group, a gathering, a church, and he doesn't say who's allowed to be in it. He doesn't say that person's allowed, but that person's not. That person's allowed, but that person's not. He doesn't say that. He just says build a group. And if, if that's what God wants to do, who am I to play God? Who am I to get in the middle of what God wants to do? And basically, he challenges these people to say, you know what? I am going to be somebody who listens to Jesus. I don't care what other people think. A couple days ago, there's a, a lady, I don't know what state, I don't know where this was, but she, she decides to go into Kohl's to go buy some yoga clothes. And as, as she walks in, she, she's celebrating for her birthday. She decides to try on some yoga pants to celebrate, you know, buy herself a, a birthday gift. And she decides, you know, none of these clothes fit right. So she, instead, to honor her birthday, she goes over to the, the toy section. And, and in the toy section, find, she finds a toy that apparently brings her a lot of joy. And she takes this toy, buys this toy, goes into her car, and makes a video with this particular toy. <laughs> and, and that boggles my mind that many of you just now caught on to that. <laughs> and she makes a video that goes crazy, nutty, viral, that, that many of you are talking about right now. Oh, did you see the Do you know what he's talking about right now? And, and I know that about 99% of you have seen this, but if you haven't, if you've been like anti-internet for the last five days, then maybe you haven't seen the video that I'm about to show you. Check out this video with this crazy woman. Check it out. Hey, I'm really excited to share with you something I got. Here's what I found when I was at Kohl's. It's so great. 
I can't wait to show you. I gotta take off my glasses for it. <laughs> oh, naturally. Okay, here we go. So, yes! Now watch when my mouth actually moves. <laughs> That's not me making that noise, it's the mask! Here, listen. Okay, now I'm gonna let Chewbacca talk here. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm in tears. I'm in tears. Wow. Uh, <laughs> it was the best birthday present ever to myself. Wow. Oh my goodness. Y'all have an incredible day. It's the simple joys. <laughs> Who had already seen that video? Here's what's crazy. That video has been seen in the last six days by over 100 million people worldwide. It has shattered records for one of the fastest growing viral videos of all time. In fact, it is the... It broke all the records for Facebook live stream videos, and it is number one as far as all the people that have viewed it so quickly. Uh, it's crazy. And, and here's what's awesome is that she, she's just laughing. <laughs> she loves this toy. She's been, on, she's been invited to go on Ellen. Uh, the the, the uh, president of Cole showed up at her front door like two days ago with thousands of dollars worth of prizes and, and games and all sorts of gift cards and stuff. Uh, she was on Good Morning America, I think, yesterday or the day before. And, and here's... Here's, here's what I love about her story. When she was interviewed by Good Morning America, they, they asked her a question, something along the lines of, of how has this impacted your life? And, and here's what her, her response was. She said, you know, I received a, a message on Facebook from a single mom. And the single mom says she, she has a daughter with autism. And this daughter, for whatever reason, the autism has caused her to, to lose joy and lose happiness. And she, the mom was saying, I haven't seen my daughter smile in, in months. I haven't seen her laugh in months. And this single mom tells Chewbacca lady, whatever her name is, <laughs> this single mom tells her, she says, when she watched your video, she started laughing hysterically and couldn't stop. And, and, and that's awesome that here, you know, sometimes people have the ability to activate something else in somebody else. Sometimes, you know, my, my Dirty Rob student pastor, when I heard his whole story of blowing up a temple, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're, you're like deactivating my faith. Like, I don't know if I want to be like you. But then you, you hear stories about, about, like, Chewbacca Lady, who's like millions of people's lives. Are, you know, I was watching you while you were watching the video, and you, you were all, I didn't see anybody frowning. You're all smiling. Something in her activated something in you. You see, sometimes we have the opportunity to, to help other people build their faith or, or, or tear their faith down. Peter is at this crossroads, and he, he, he knows 
the right thing to do because Jesus said, I want you to build this group, but I, do I want to please people instead? And, and, and he gets in front of this group and he's like, who am I to play God? Who am I to not listen to Jesus? I'm going to build buzz. I'm going to build excitement. I'm going to build a group, an ecclesia, a church, a movement of people who listen to Jesus, who follow Jesus. And when he says this boldly, not knowing what the Jewish people are going to say, when he says this and throws this out there, all of a sudden it activates something in this Jewish group. And here's, here's their response in Acts 11, 18. It says, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then even the Gentiles God has granted repentance that leads to life. In other words, they're saying, oh, even the Gentiles can be saved. Jesus came for them too, not just us. Now, why do I share this story with you? I share this story because I know that you seniors who are about to graduate and walk the line in, in a week from now, many of you are going to go off to college and yay, bye birdies, fly, fly. <laughs> it's great. But, and the juniors are going to move up to seniors and the sophomores are going to move up and the freshmen are going to move up. And from what I understand, there's a pretty big group of eighth graders that are about to become into, into high school. And, and I know the psychology. I've worked with students for, for a long, long time. And I understand the psychology of high school because the psychology is this. There's this hierarchy, this social hierarchy. And there's this belief that seniors are better than juniors and juniors are better than sophomores. Sophomores are better than freshmen and freshmen think that they're better than everybody else. <laughs> and there's this social hierarchy. And here's what I, I know will, will possibly happen is that when this group of eighth graders move up and they become freshmen and all of a sudden they flood into this room on a, what is today, Tuesday? Tuesday night. And they flood in here. I know the natural temptation for most high school students, especially upperclassmen, you're going to look at these incoming snotty nose, you know, stinky freshmen that haven't figured out how to use deodorant yet. And many of you are going to look at them and you're going to be like, where's the trash can? Let's go give that kid a swirly. <laughs> Some of you have this mentality that you're, you're better than. And, and this isn't, this isn't uh, you know, I don't, I don't know you, but I know in high school, typically there's this social hierarchy that I'm better than them because I'm older than them. What would it be like if this group of people, when that whole group comes in, when these eighth graders turn into freshmen, what would it be like if you welcomed them with open arms? And you say, you know what, you're, you're younger. You might have gone to a different middle school or junior high than I went to, but you know what, you are welcomed here at age 12. You're in high school, welcome home. See, sometimes there's a difference when it comes to different teams. Oh, you're a baseball player? I'm a wrestler. I'm better than you. <laughs> oh, you're a cheerleader? That's not even a sport, huh? Sometimes there's, there's segregation between teams, and you look across the room, and you're like, I'm not going to hang out with that person. Look at what color they dyed their hair. <laughs> I don't want to associate with that group. I don't want to associate with that school. That kid's too young. That kid's too big. That kid's a different color, and you have these different ideas of who you're going to associate with. What if you just said, everybody's welcome? This is a place for the hurting. This is a place for the broken. This is a place where there's welcoming. And instead of pushing people away and saying, oh, you're like Cornelius, oh, we're not going to associate with you. What if you choose to be like Peter, who chose to follow Jesus and say, you know what? Everybody is a part of this group. Everybody is a part of this movement. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a group and a movement that is welcoming and including and, and inviting to other people. Because I want to be somebody that follows Jesus. I don't, I don't care about what other people think. I don't care what they say. I want to follow him, not them. And I don't know about you, but, but I would love 
And I consider it an honor to be a part of this movement, a part of this ecclesia. So I've got three things as I close tonight, and I'm going to invite the band to come forward as we, we wrap up with a song. I've got three things to share with you. If you're choosing to take action tonight, which I, I hope that you do, because Scripture talks about how we shouldn't just be listeners and hearers of the word, but we should be doers of the word. And I hope anytime any, any, anybody comes up here and shares God's word, you don't just listen, but you choose to do. Here's three things I encourage you to do. Number one, follow Jesus. He's the best leader of all time. He's the greatest leader worth following. Follow Jesus. Number two, sometimes people will fail you. Others are going to sin. They're going to fail. They're going to fall on their face. They're going to make promises. They're going to break them. And sometimes those people are Christians. And, and I'm a sinner. You know, so, sometimes I get to talk to students like you. And I say things like, hey, follow Jesus. Hey, listen to Jesus. Hey, love your enemies. Hey, you know, you should be quick to listen and slow to speak. You should be slow to anger. But if my wife were standing up here next to me tonight, she would tell you how I blew up in anger at her last week. Why? Because I'm a sinner. I make mistakes. Don't follow me. Don't follow Derek. We're not the ones you should be modeling your lives after. The adult leaders in this room, the people in the band, they're not the ones you should be modeling your life after. Model your life after Jesus. And when people, if people fail you, when they fail you, here's the second thing I would encourage you to do is choose to offer grace, forgive others. Follow Jesus, forgive others. Last challenge I have for you. Be inclusive. Include other people. It shouldn't be a group about just you and your, your clique, you and your four, and, and no more. Jesus, Jesus told Peter, I, I want to build, build a movement around you. And it's not about Peter as the person. Don't follow even Peter. He was pointing people back to Jesus. And that's my role. I get to do that. And, and the, the pastors here, the people leading in worship, they get to lead. It's not about a show up here. It's about singing songs and, and leading people, pointing to the only leader who is worth following. And my hope is that as you follow Jesus, somebody asked him at one point, he said, hey, what's the greatest commandment? And you know what he said? Love God and what? Love others. Love God and love others. That's how you follow Jesus. You do those two things, everything else in life is details. Follow Jesus. Forgive others. Be inclusive. And in doing that, you are following the only leader who is worth following. That's my hope. That's my prayer. In fact, if you just bow your head and close your eyes, I just want to pray that over you tonight.